Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. You are faithful to us, Lord. I don't think, Lord, a day did anyone go through when we were not faithful, unfaithful. But you were faithful through it all. We were unkind, but you were kind. We were not good to everyone, but you were good to us through it all. It is your faithfulness, your kindness, and your goodness that kept us through this year, especially the last seven months, Lord. Through it all, you brought us through. And you brought us through well, Lord. Bow all. You allowed us to come through the pandemic without it touching us. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. This morning as we look to your word, I pray, Father, speak to us. Teach us. Teach us your precepts. Teach us your ways. Show us the intent behind the word. Help us not to get stuck with the letter, for the letter kills. To go beyond that, Lord, and only your spirit can show us. Therefore, Father, we surrender ourselves to the teaching of your Holy Spirit. For you said when the spirit comes, he shall lead you to all the truth. You said the anointing shall teach you all things. Our trust is in you, Spirit of God. Teach us, Lord. Show us your Son in every line, every word, every letter of the Bible. Reveal your Son to us. Because only His life saves, Lord. Only His life has that power. Not our life. Show us your Son once again today. We Commit ourselves to that end. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> Sundays usually we preach, weekdays we teach. So when you are being taught, remember you need even more attention than on Sunday. And you need to have your Bible, even if the letters come on, the scripture comes on the screen. For those who are listening at home, your Bible, your notebook, and your pen. (coughs) We've been looking at uh, how God brings a nation back through his servant Elijah. He allows that nation to go through three and a half years of testing, of trial, of famine. It's an ungodly political leadership. A weak man and a demonic lady together reigning over Israel. God has to use one servant, one servant alone, called Elijah, to bring that nation literally on their face before God. And we are there on Mount Carmel. We are not looking at that today. But connected with that, we saw about order, how you cannot hurry God. You want God to work in your life. You need to come into God's order. God's, He's sovereign. He's king. And our struggles are with that. We saw on Sunday that uh, if you go to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 onwards, to faith we are asked to add virtue. 
Okay, remember everything we come back to the kingdom. If you, if, if you are not seeking the kingdom, the messages either will not interest us or we will receive a kingdom truth and take it and run into the world. Okay, because the kingdom principles work. They are eternal principles. Okay, they work. The kingdom has power. You can take it and run it, apply it, succeed temporarily and be declared an eternal failure. Okay? For also, for also for this very reason, giving all diligence, okay, we always as teachers will always tell students, be diligent. Add to your faith virtue. So the first thing is faith. This is always being spoken to believers, okay, though these are kingdom principles can be applied by non-believers too, but it will not work eternally because it begins with faith. It doesn't begin with virtue, okay? Virtuous people in the world are respected, honored, they succeed, okay? But when it comes to salvation, it does not work. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love there are seven or eight things mentioned over there. For if these things are yours and abound, not only are we, these things, we got the grip on them, and we abound in them, okay, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning you can be barren in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and unfruitful, okay. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And verse 11 says, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the whole thing is connected with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You take the kingdom off, it works. But only works temporarily. Okay, it works. So that's why faith is by which you get entrance into the kingdom. And when you apply all this abound in it, you receive a rich and welcome into the kingdom of God eternally. When you physically, actually, rapture or death or whatever takes you through that door. So plus, please remember, it all begins with faith. Okay? Faith. So we will always see in the word of God, God uses very ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the Bible. It's always ordinary people, right from the beginning. Very ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you will always see the only difference between them and the others was faith. Was faith. I was listening to all one old man of God, past dead and gone, old time greats. And he was talking about as when he was a young man, 25, 26 years old, how he walked into Smith Wigglesworth's house and Smith Wiggles was in his 80s. And he had the newspaper with him and he stopped him at the door and says, throw it out. <laughs> and he said, why? He said, this is the house of truth and that is printed full of lies. I do not allow lies to enter my house. And I was shocked. And you can remember, he was one of the most powerfully used men in history, Smith Wigglesworth. He brought people, literally, I mean, so many dead people back to life. He got used him so powerfully. Okay, then you need to realize their commitment to the word of God. 
commitment to the word of God. Okay, so I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> okay, wow. Oh boy, if I were to apply it, I'll lose half the joy in my life because it's with news. Hmm? So it is, remember, okay, it is faith that separates the, the man of God from the crowd. Okay? Yet we will see many men and women of faith ultimately fail. Okay? Men and women of God ultimately fail because they f- consistently don't add virtue or the other qualities mentioned to finish the race. Okay, so you cannot have it both ways. I will have faith and other things don't matter. God says, yeah, you can run well with faith for a season like Gideon and all do great exploits. But if you look at most of these people, their end was in that great. They never had the sustained life till the end. It's not that they did not have faith. They are all mentioned in that list in Genesis, uh, Revelation, um, uh, Hebrews 11. But you don't see from the beginning till the end them running and abounding and abounding. and ab- You don't see that because they were not careful in adding the virtues and the other things mentioned over there. Okay? So we have to be very, very, very careful. Faith, on the other hand. So today we will look at like at faith because everything that Elijah did on Mount Carmel was by faith. And he's also abounding in faith. He's growing in faith. Where he stood before Ahab three and a half years earlier and the man standing before Ahab and the crowd on Mount Carmel are two different men. Okay, he's grown in faith through that experience of Kerith and Zarephath. God has brought him to Mount Carmel. So faith is also a journey. And faith, remember, releases the power of God in our lives. On the other hand, people don't realize, unbelief on the other hand blocks or limits the power of God in our lives. And people don't realize most of our struggles or all our struggles are common to mankind. Okay, The, the, the struggle of uh, the believer different from mankind is to be consistently righteous in an unrighteous world. Okay, That's this consistent struggle of a believer. Other than that, all our problems in our life, whatever we go through, sickness, lack, hunger, thirst, nakedness, famine, whatever, the whole list is there. Nothing different. Everybody has going gone through that. But what is our struggle? Why we don't overcome in those things is, it is unbelief, lack of faith. Okay, God's answer is faith. God's answer. He says very clearly, right? And when he uses, if you look at um, 1 John 5, 4, right? He uses the term faith over there. Okay? Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It is, if you look at the construction, and if you look at any construction in any translation, the good ones, it's almost the same. Meaning, it is... This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It is not saying that by faith we became victorious. Faith itself is victory. Faith itself is victory. You cannot have a life of faith and have along with it a life of defeat. Okay? So whenever you are defeated, that means you have stepped aside from faith. In faith, there is no defeat. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our Faith. It's our faith. Okay. Our faith is that gives us the victory. That's why faith comes from hearing and hearing from the 
word of God. So what happens to normal Christians? I don't call them normal. Actually, in the kingdom of God, they are abnormal Christians. Whenever trouble comes into their life and they are not able to handle it, they tune off the word. The one thing that can give them victory. They tune off from the word. And that's the devil. Why does the devil bring problems and why does God allow it? The devil calls it trials and temptation. God calls it a test. And that very thing that should take us to victory and take us more into the word takes us away from the word. And that is how we have to be very, very careful. Okay? Because most often, if not 99% of the time for Christians, we are our worst enemy. It's not the devil. It is not the world. We are our worst enemy. Because we do not spend enough time to know God and his ways. Okay, to know God and His ways. In Romans 8 and verse 31, and those who are listening you should read the whole, from 30 onwards you should read, read the whole chapter. Okay, Romans 8 and verse 31, Bible says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Just that one verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, you have to look at this statement. If God is for us. So the whole thing is that, how do I get God on my side? <laughs> How do I, you can't, you can't uh, twist God's heart or mind or anything. How do I get God on my side? Okay, how do I get, how do I know that God is for me? You can't have this statement. These are all statements people speak and then nothing seems to be happening. That God doesn't seem to be with us. God seems to be actually against us. Because if God is not with us, then God is against us. Okay, God, God is not neutral. Jesus said, if you don't gather with me, then you are scattering. Okay, so God is not neutral because there is no neutrality in the kingdom of heaven. So how do I get God on my side or how do I be sure that I am on the side of God and God is for me? And if God is for me, the Bible says, who can be against me? Who can be against us? In Ephesians 3.20, the Bible talks about when God is for you and when God works for you, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, Abundantly, that itself is two superlatives together. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The power is in us, the Spirit of God. And God actually is able. God is able. But that doesn't mean it happens. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or even think. God is able. You look at these promises, meaning you didn't even dare to ask certain things. <laughs> God says, dare, dare me. And I will do more than you can even think about daring. Okay? So that's why we look in patterns in the Bible, because we are looking at the life of Christ. Because when this happens, and it is according to the power that works in us, it is not us, it is Christ, it is his life. So, <clears throat> like on Sunday, we go back to that one man in the book of Genesis, to whom 13 chapters are given. If there was one man who should not have succeeded, okay, all the odds were again, nobody would bet on him, if you are in gambling, okay? It was Jesus, it was Joseph. Because when he began, the odds in his family was one against ten. And all the ten are elder to him. You have ten older brothers against you. And in so many ways a disoriented father. 
because you no know, wife is dead the one he loved is dead for whom he was slaved for 14 years is dead so he's he's grieving he's heartbroken he never gets over her rachel okay so to nothing much is mentioned about rachel there was something about rachel that jacob loved and he never gets over her okay and then three wives and a mess in the family and all these things are happening okay the daughter messed up two sons do this crazy stuff so this man is okay and the middle of it is this boy so if he should not have succeeded because odd says 1 against 10 they sell him to slavery his own brothers okay sell him and he's taken as a slave now the odds are even more higher he's the only hebrew slave in a huge egyptian household let us say there are 200 slaves in that house or 300 because he's the captain of the guard of the pharaoh so he could have 300 slaves 500 slaves so odds are 1 against 500 okay falsely accused and he's thrown into prison now let us imagine the king's prisoners are uncountable thousand prisoners and he's the only hebrew prisoner in an egyptian prison now the odds are one against thousand okay but there is one fact in genesis chapter 39 and verse 2 there's one thing that changes the odds against in his favor odds not against in his favor that is the lord was with joseph that's the only thing if god is for you who can be against you that's one thing is one thing that nobody factors nobody factors with joseph factored okay remember god cannot be with joseph if joseph is not with god because there is a choice which god gives us every day choose this day whom you will serve the choice we make we can go be with god we can be away from god so when the bible says the lord was with jesus he is not overruling his free will and says i don't care whether you want me or not i am going to be with you he is not going to do that lord is with joseph because joseph is with the lord and that one thing changes his wherever he goes it does not matter you know he is destined to succeed okay now who is with joseph look at a few verses okay jeremiah 32 verse 17 jeremiah 32 and verse 17 the lord god behold you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm there is nothing too hard for you who is with joseph okay when we see unless we look at the qualities of god understand I mean, we have to meditate upon who this is real because we live in this world and we look at everything that is happening will we sometimes take our eyes and get depressed and without without realizing who is with us who is with us when jesus said i'll be with you forever i will never leave you nor forsake you and he sends the holy spirit this is the person who is with us job th- uh, 36 the book of job 36 22 to 24 Behold God is exalted by his power who teaches like him who has assigned him his way or who has said you have done wrong remember to magnify his work of which men have sung okay remember that's a man going through literally hell and how does he sustain retain his sanity through it all is because his mind is on god meaning who god is Okay, Psalm eight, if I'm right, verse thirty-four. Hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, I I got the this. Hmm? 
No, no, it's okay. Leave it alone. Job 11 and verse 8. Job 11 and verse 8. They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you do? It's talking about God and his ways. Okay. First Kings chapter 8 verse 27. This is Solomon dedicating the greatest structure built by man. The most expensive structure. But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. Okay. Isaiah 48 and verse 20. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of words. I'm just giving you five verses. 48, 28. Isaiah 48, 28. Uh Uh-oh. Today, I don't know why when I rewrote it. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we know who God is. Okay. I mean, uh, only for new believers and even old believers need to be reminded over and over again who God is. Like I said, this is just a sample. The salesman, when he's going around, gives you a sample. It is just an appetizer as to know who this God is. Okay, just a sample. So the question is, how do you and I say stay on the right side of God all the way? Because it is called a walk of faith or a life of faith. Okay? So we will look at the history of Israel and try to relate that history of Israel to this one man. Because when Genesis uh, 37 and verse 2 begins, the history of Israel is narrowed down like a laser beam onto one man. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. Can you imagine? Okay, can you imagine the... It's like those young days, we were no, not young, yeah, quite young days, uh, when Sachin walked to bat. Like the commentators would say, the hopes of one billion people <laughs> rest on the shoulders of one short little fellow. When he gets... Out, most of us switched our TV and we said, okay, it's our game over. We are not going to make it. Okay. If this guy stays there, we always say, even if he stays till the 45th over, we have a chance. The others will come and finish. But he has to be there. He opens and he has to be till the 45th over. Okay. So, God's kingdom, history on earth is resting on the shoulders of a 17-year-old boy. This is the history of Israel. Okay, resting on, I mean, and we know God doesn't gamble, okay, so this is not a gamble, God knows his boy, okay, God knows his boy, so we look at the history of Israel, caught in, history of Israel is caught in like in uh, what we call in a capsule form in certain places in the Bible, one of the places is in uh, Stephen's address to his, okay, accept. We don't have to go there. And another one is Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a, uh, what you call it, a minuscule picture of the history of Israel. Okay? So Psalm 78 can be the history of Israel or the history of any man. Why we go wrong and what we can do not to go wrong. Learn from if you look at Psalm, Psalm 78, and we will be, we can know that Joseph definitely was not this. Okay. In Psalm 78 and verse 41, it's a very strange words about this all-powerful God. All-powerful God. Again and again, they tempted God 
and limited the Holy One of Israel. Think about it. You know? We talk about now election is coming on number third. Term limits. Okay. The Supreme Court justice is appointed for life. We want to put 18 years as a term limit. They want to limit terms. Meaning that, but you know, everybody's power has limits. There's only one whose power is unlimited. That is God. But scripture says, again and again, they limited the Holy One of Israel. This is what we call the tyranny of free will. You and I can limit the Holy One of Israel by our free will because He gave it to us. He says, I set life and death before you. Blessing and curses, you choose. And our choices can lead to the unlimited power of the Holy Spirit, more than we can think or imagine, or we can limit the unlimited power of the God of Israel, the Holy One of Israel. Okay. So this is the question, can you and I limit the power of God in our life? Answer, yes. Answer, yes. That's why God is constantly talking about preaching the word, hearing the word, because it is faith that opens the unlimited power of God. Remember, we heard in long time ago in uh, the power of God is called grace. Okay, the spirit of God is the spirit of grace. And Hebrews, uh, Romans 5, 2 says, it is by faith we enter into this grace. Okay? So God... The only one who is unlimited in power can be limited in our own personal lives because of the free will God has given us. Let us see, how do we move or how do we block the the power of God? God has established his statutes or laws okay, by which he has ordained creation should function. Chapter 78, sorry, Psalm 78, verses 5 to 7. This is what he said to Israel, to every man. He established a testimony in Jacob. Okay? So his testimony in Jacob was Joseph. In the book of Genesis, the testimony of Jacob is seen in Joseph. And appointed a law in Israel. So Joseph is carrying the law of God, whatever he has learned, heard in his heart. Which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. So Jacob made it known to his children. Only one kid believed and received it. He should have, he would have taught all his children. Only one received. Okay? The generation to come might know them. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. So there's something being told about. The ways of God has to be passed from generation to generation. And if it does not, that generation will perish. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God and keep His commandments. So there are two things we were supposed to pass on. The testimony of God and the ways of God. Okay? Testimony of God and the ways of God. We have to pass on the testimony. This is how God has done in the past. Okay? We look back. All in honesty, said, honestly, think about it. These nine months of these seven months, we only know the number of people who died because of the pandemic. We do not know the number of people who died of the lockdown and the resultant famine and hunger and job loss and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and marriage breakdown and suicide. Nobody knows that number. You know what? He's brought us very well through. Very well through. I mean, 
None of us have any reason to complain. Okay, reason to complain. And we'll, this is, these are the works of God. He gave the testimony of Jacob, of what he did in the father's life, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who were you? Aliens in a land surrounded by your enemies. Don't forget how he led Abraham, how he led Isaac, how he led Jacob, what, you know. Don't forget the testimonies so that they might set their hope in God. And don't forget one thing. Keep his commandments. Commandments. Works and ways. Both have to. Okay, otherwise we'll end up like the children of Israel to whom he showed his works. They never learned his ways and therefore they died in their desert. Both we need. We need the works of God and we need to know the ways of God. So what happened, because they didn't do this, okay, because they didn't do it, what happened to them? They did not do this. So what happens when we do not keep both in our mind and walk in the works of God and the ways of God? Look at verse 9. Okay. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Okay. Now... Joseph had ten, left 12 sons, and of that the most successful is who? Jacob had 12 sons, the most successful is Joseph. Joseph had two sons, and of which he put one above the other. Who is the one who is put ahead? So therefore, he is the best of the cream de la cream. That's why that says you, the children of Ephraim, the best of Jacob, turned back in the day of battle. God is saying, even the best among you will turn back in the day of adversity if you forget my ways and you forget my works. Because you are not fighting an ordinary battle. You are fighting a spiritual battle. And in the best of you will turn back in the day of battle if you forget my works and forget my ways. And why did they turn back? Verse 10. Why did they turn back? They did not keep the covenant of the Lord and they refused to walk in his law and they forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. What happened? They did not walk in his ways and they forgot his works. Okay? Because of these two, what happened? They turned back in the day of battle. They gave up. They gave up. Okay? They gave up. They did not walk in his ways. This is what we call the sin of disobedience. It's the sin of disobedience. Right? That's why we have to keep on going back to God and say, Lord, help me. Okay, I'm not looking at the results. I need to walk in your ways. Help me, Lord. I need to walk in your ways. Because this life will be over <laughs> very soon. This world will be turned up like a scroll very soon. And when I stand before you, I should be judged. At least I finished with the life of obedience. Like Jacob. You could run for a whole season with a life of disobedience and then end up with an incredible season of obedience, right? In Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 8, this is what Jeremiah was told by God to tell Israel. The Lord said to me, proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I earnestly exhorted your fathers in the day I brought them up out of the land of Egypt until this day, rising early and exhorting, saying, Obey my voice. Yet they did not obey nor incline their ears. And everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Okay, The prophets had to wake up early in the morning. 
Okay? So when the prophet wakes up in early in the morning, God is using, he's saying, I woke up with them in the morning. Now, God does not sleep, not slumber, but he wakes up the prophet early in the morning to keep on warning. That's why Israel, Israel had the law and Israel only had prophets. Schools of prophets. You know, everywhere you go, there's a school of prophets and sons of prophets. What does our job? To stand in the street roads in the morning and keep on reminding Israel, walk in the ways of God, do not forget his works. It will go well with you. It will go well with you. If you do not remember what he has spoken, it will not go well with you. Because the devil is after you and God will give you over into his hands. You will be caught literally between the rock and the hard place. Okay, remember, remember, remember. So they were told, but they did not listen. The sin of disobedience. Okay, in Matthew seven twenty four, Luke six forty six. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. So he says, you have to hear and do. Hear and do. Ten sons of Jacob heard. One son of Jacob did. Okay, heard and do. Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Right? John 15 and verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. First he will say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, Lord, I love you. We start doing his commandments. Now he says, okay, you love me, right? Now you do one thing. If you keep Upon doing my, keep my commandments, you will now learn to abide in my love. You will never feel left alone. You never. You will never feel afraid when calamity comes. See, we always get it wrong. The Bible says, perfect love casts away all fear. Lord, help me to love you perfectly. No, it's not that. It is perfect love. Once you are aware that he loves you perfectly, fear is gone. Fear is gone. Okay, and how does that happen? When you learn to keep his commandments, you learn to abide in his love, and there is no fear. There is no fear. Because fearful people cannot fight battles. The first 22,000 who was disqualified, who gathered at the call of the trumpet in Gideon's army, were fearful. And the next 10,000 that was taken out was those who did not, were not vigilant. Because we safe. Vigilance is the eternal price you pay for your freedom. Right? So they buried their face and they drank their water. They were not vigilant. Only 300 were there who were fearless and who were vigilant and God said, you come with me. You come with me. We shall fight. So we need to realize these things are important. This, these are not to be taken lightly. So God says, you hear and you keep. You hear and you do my precepts and don't forget my works. So we cannot skirt God's ways. If we do, we limit the Holy One of Israel. We will limit the Holy One of Israel. That's why in Genesis 37, we hear only about Joseph. Why? Because only one son obeys the will of the father. While the other ten failed, where the other ten failed, one succeeded. If you turn with me to Psalm 1 and verses 1 to 3. 
Psalm 1, 1 to 3. We know very familiar verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the God. Whenever you read scripture, read the other part which is not written. Okay. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the godly. That's what we used to do in our grammar test children. Write this, rewrite this sentence using the word godly instead of ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the godly. It's not enough. That is only half done. The other half is blessed are you when you walk in the counsel of the godly. Nor stands in the path of sinners. He's blessed if he stands in the path of the righteous. You stand in the path and says, you know what? I want to imitate you. I want to learn of you. I want to learn of you. Like Andrew and Long, go after Jesus. What do you seek? Where do you stay? Okay. Where do you say? Come with me. Okay. Come with me. They stayed with him. Okay. And then they didn't need any more testimony. They went and said, we have met the Messiah. Okay. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. Whose leaf shall also not wither. What? Whatever he does shall prosper. If there is one man it applies in the Bible, it is Joseph. But if you look at the ungodly, the sinner and the scornful are his brothers. So he didn't have to search for these people. They were in his own home. Okay, The wicked, the sinner, the scornful, the mocker were all his brothers. He refused to sit with them. Though he was willing to serve them. Though he served with them and later would serve them he refused to sit with them that is why he brought an evil report to his father he served with them but he refused to sit with them in their conversations and in their acts okay so he had verse 1 and he had verse 2 and 3 2 and god did verse 3 he planted him The consequences of ignoring God, believers ignoring God, can be devastating to God's people. Short run or long run, it can. We don't know how it will come. And one of the things that happens is what happens to the inner man. Because we look at the outer man, we don't understand the inner man. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. I'm barging into Pastor Vijay's territory. Okay, Proverbs are all his territory. <laughs> I very rarely go there because that's his territory. The wicked flees when no one pursues. Okay, the thing is that the wicked flees. To flee when somebody pursuing is still considered natural. The problem with the wicked is they flee when no one is pursuing them. That's the problem. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. Meaning you are haunted and crippled by your fears. Okay? Your fears. You know why? Because that's what disobedience does. When you disobey God, you sin. And along with sin comes guilt. And along with guilt comes fear. And what happens is, it justly saps your inner strength. Ultimately, you are what your soul is. Not what your body is. You are what your soul is. Okay. And God said, this is what happens. Okay, You have limited the hand holy one of Israel in your life and you are not able to go. In Leviticus 26, 36, 37, this is what God said would happen to them. Okay, This is what is happening to them. 
Leviticus 26, 36 and 37. It didn't come. I hope I didn't get that reference also wrong. Yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. As for those of you who are left, meaning all those who disobeyed and the judgments they would go through, I will sell, send what? Saintness into their hearts. In the lands of their enemies. You will be always in enemy land. And what will you have? Your heart will be faint. Very weak. The sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them to flee. They shall flee as though fleeing from a sword. You will see a sword behind every leaf. And they shall fall when no one pursues. They shall stumble over one another. It's like a stampede. Fire, fire! There's no fire. Everybody's rumbling and jumping and killing and stumbling or stamping on others. As if it were before a sword. When no one pursues, you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. Look at it. Look at it. That's what I said. Look at it. I mean, don't look at India and all. We are a very minuscule population here. Look at US. <laughs> Supposed to be the greatest Christian nation on earth. 100 million plus believers. Is anybody willing to go to church? Defy the order? I mean, you are having all kinds of protests. Nobody is stopping you. Bars are opening. Casinos are opening. Churches are not allowed. Why are you so afraid? I mean, which government can stop if 100 million people come and say we are going to church? What are you going to do? What has happened? You know why? Your lifestyle of disobedience has come. All it takes is a leaf and you think the sword is after you. You have no strength left. You have no power left. And that's what God is talking about. When the day of evil comes, will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand? No. And what happens? We go in the way of the world. Isaiah 30 and verse 1. 31. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So now we are in a crisis. Who do we go to? We don't run to the pastor. We run to the psychiatrist. You add sin upon sin. You are not leaning on my spirit. Now you are on medication. Hmm? You are not pro-life. Now you are pro zach <laughs> No. <laughs> no. God said I said before you life because you chose death now you have need Prozac God said this is what happens okay and verse 17 the result one thousand shall flee at the threat of one one was supposed to put a thousand to flee on the other hand it is reversed now one thousand of you are fleeing at the threat of one. Blasio says, wear your mask or otherwise I will. Everybody's got their mask on. Everybody is walking like children, diapers on their faces. 
That's what it looks like. In a country, I'm not saying that you shouldn't wear mask. I have an issue when a democratic system gets authoritarian. That is my issue. You are getting into fundamental liberties. You should advise and tell this set of people need to wear. Be careful. You should advise and encourage and no, and the people who are vulnerable should be told. That's the way you do it. Okay, you don't do in America what you do in China. There is no difference. There is no difference. There is no difference. Okay, so that is the issue over here. What happens? A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, and the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left as a pole on a top of a mountain, as a banner on a hill, fluttering like this. One single pole, no branch, no leaf, nothing, just one pole over there and fluttering over there. That's what you will be left. Everybody will see you. You will be visible. You will be a sight to behold of shame, of not of glory. On the other hand, the blessings of obedience is this that we saw in Genesis chapter 39 verses 1 and 2. If you obey... Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. You are taken down into the world. You are sold. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ismailites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's the key. doesn't matter. You are taken down into the world. You are sold into slavery. But the Lord is with you. Okay? So the question is this. All we know about Joseph Till now. Okay, 37, we are introduced to Joseph. 38 is Judah and Tamar. 39, we see him in Egypt. Okay. From verse chapter 37, all we know about Joseph is three things. One, he is very zealous for his father's name. Two, he is willing to obey his father's desire. Three, he is willing to serve his brothers without partaking of their sin. And as a result, gets sold into slavery. These three things are the first three things we learn about Joseph. One, he's very zealous about his father's name. God says, are you zealous about my name? Are you willing to do my desire? Your brother Sergeant Sissam, will you go? Here I am. Desire. What is the desire? Go see how your brothers are. What is said? Go to Sissam. What is the desire? To know the result of your brothers. He goes to Sishem, the brothers are in there. And he goes all the way to Dothan. Okay, that's the desire. It is not under grace, we don't do the minimum. The extra. I mean, that is the father's desire. We have to know the father's desire. That is why Moses could only bring them thus far. Because he is a man of law. The law only will tell you to do the minimum. So he brought them only the borders of the promised land. Only Jesus can take you across. Joshua can take you across. Because to overcome, you need to know the heart of your father. Moses represents the slave. Jesus represents the son. Therefore, Jesus is worthy of more honor. And he is faithful as a son. Moses is faithful as a servant. Okay, And Jesus is the servant son. And we are all servant sons. Who is Joseph? A servant son. He's a servant, so he goes to Sishem. He's a son, so he goes to Dothan. 
Okay, so understand. Three things only we know about him. And we saw God is with him as a result. Okay, Joseph did not limit the God of his father by his unbelief. Okay, now we go to that. We are very familiar with these verses, but please remember, because we are familiar does not mean people are actually familiar with these verses. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19. Most people are not aware of these verses in the Bible are connected about how the the history of Jacob is seen through, sorry, Joseph is seen through. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. On one way, the word of the Lord is testing him. And as he going through the situation, the Lord of the word is with him. The two things are happening. The Lord of the word is with him and the word of the Lord is testing him. Two things at the same time. Okay? Because why is it testing him? It's testing his faith. Because faith untested cannot be trusted. If your faith is not tested, you cannot trust it. So, Lord, test my faith so that I know where I am going. Okay? If your faith is not tested, and you say, I've never been tested, you may not even reach heaven. Because if there is false Christ and a false gospel and false apostles and false prophets and false evangelists and false pastors, and false teachers, then there are false churches, and false believers, and you end in hell. You end in hell. How do you know? I am not part of that false thing, by allowing your faith to be tested. Because what will take you across, is a thin line of faith. That is why, Paul will say, I have fought that good fight of faith. Okay? In 78, Psalm 78, and verse 10, we saw they disobeyed. Right? They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law. We know Joseph kept the word of his God and walked in his covenant. Okay? In verse 11, scripture says, they forgot. Right? Verse 11, they forgot his works. They forgot his works. And we know Joseph Never forgot his works. The first thing you see is the sin of disobedience. The second thing you see is the sin of forgetfulness. Okay? We need to understand, Jacob must have told all his children the history of his fathers. His history, some of the elder sons had seen in Haran and afterwards. His father's history, Isaac's history, and his grandfather's history. Because Jacob was alive for 15 years when Abraham was around. So Jacob would have told what God had done in his grandfather's life, in his father's life and his life. And I believe Joseph never forgot the works of God. Why do we testify of what God has done? Why do we, what is the Bible? The Bible is a record of God's faithfulness with unfaithful people. Okay? The sin of forgetfulness. You know what happens? We limit God by forgetting what he has done for us in the past and what he has promised us in the future. Forgetfulness can be the future or to the past. 
The only thing we think about future is trouble. And only we remember about uh, past is terrible things. I believe he never forgot what God had done in his ancestors, the patriarchs' lives, and also what God had promised him through two dreams. That's the word of God he has. Okay? He never forgot. Okay? Now please remember, we have to see everything properly in the context of our situation. Listen carefully because this is where we get wrong. Okay? You have to think of your life in the context of where you are now, not where you were earlier. Where you were earlier. Because if you think of where you were earlier, you will never appreciate today. If he was thinking about himself as in his father's house, then he will not see the hand of God in Potiphar's house. The children of Israel could never appreciate what God was doing because all they were thinking about what they ate in Egypt. Therefore, they could never enjoy what they were eating now. What they were eating now was manna. But they never appreciated it. You know why? And it was not working in them spiritually because their mind was over something that was tasty in the past. Therefore, you are not able to appreciate something. So always look life in today's context. Today's context. Okay. Why is this important? Because we have entered into a new month. Today is the first day of a new month. Okay. New month. Okay. And if something goes bad today, oh, September was better. No. Look it in context of October. Look in context of today. Okay. And this is what happens. If he had thought about life as a dad's favorite son, then he's going to be miserable in Potiphar's house. So when Paul talks about forgetting the past, he's not forgetting all his past. He's forgetting, he's remembering the goodness of God. He says, he showed me mercy. He does not forget the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God. And what happens is the devil, our memory is a very incredible, uh, incredible gift God has given us. Our problem is the devil will warp our memory like uh, Mark Antony spoke over Julius Caesar's dead body. The evil that men do lives after them. Where does it live? In our memories. The good is oft interred with their bones. So what happens is all we have in our memories, what people did to us, the painful things. And you know what we become? We all become miserable prisoners of the past. People are miserable. If you look at people, especially this pandemic has brought so much misery. You know why people are misery? Because they are only able to remember the bad that happened. And they are not able to remember the good. And I, when I counsel, this is something which I constantly keep telling people. doesn't matter what you have gone through in life. Home is broken. Marriage is broken. Abandoned as such. Whatever it is. Look back. You will always be able to think about something good about this person. So Joseph, I am sure, is thinking about the goodness of Reuben. The goodness of Simeon. Goodness of Levi. The goodness of Judah. Because Elder brothers are not 100% cruel to younger brothers. They are never. They never. They always will be good. There will be seasons of goodness. Okay? No, so that is the way you remember your past. Otherwise you will be a miserable wreck. 
bitter person like Naomi. Lord, ten years in Moab. I lost my husband. I lost my two sons. But you kept me alive. And you know, Lord, a Moabite daughter-in-law, young girl is with me. So I am not alone. Lord, I don't deserve any of these things. I walked away from your land to the land of unbelief. I lost everything over there. I will not blame you. I will not blame my husband also. He's dead. He made a decision. I followed him. But you have brought me back. And this girl is with me. I just want to thank you, Lord. And I think back, I just want to bless you, Lord. I just want to. That's not the way it is. That's not the way. So she is bitter. Though her name is pleasant, her inside is bitter. You know why? Because we are not seeing context. We are not seeing context. And what happens is when you are bitter, everything you see into the future is also bitter. But when you are not bitter, everything you see, you are able to see the promises of God. Yes. The promises are good. They are yes and amen in God. He has only good plans. He has not evil plans for anybody. He has only good plans for his children. Remember, context matters. How you see. How you see. So what happens is, we forget God's works and his ways. Verses 12 to 16. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. What did he forget? They forget. They forgot their deliverance. He delivered them. Okay, and then he divided the sea, caused them to pass, and he made water stand up like a heap, right? And in daytime also he led them with cloud all the night with the light of fire. He not only delivered them, he guided them for 40 years. And he split rocks in the wilderness and gave them to drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought out streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. What is he talking about? He says, you know what? He delivered them out of every adverse situation. He guided them through the desert and he provided for them in the wilderness. And verse 17. Yeah. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against. Think about it. Okay, Think about it. This is what happens to us when we do not walk in his ways and forget what he has done. So if you look back at the past nine months and say, Lord, you know what? In the midst of the worst pandemic, the worst judgment the world has seen in our lifetime, in your lifetime, you delivered us, you have guided us literally day and night, and you have provided for us. You provided, you taken care of us. Good care of us. Or will we sin even more? That's a question God asks. Will we sin more? Or? No. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Yes. Verse 2. Forget not His benefit is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. But like I said, the devil specializes on keeping our mind on the negatives. But the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. So what happened? He never forgot that God has delivered me. I should have died in the pit. 
but he delivered me. I should have died on the journey. He delivered me. I could have been sold to some stupid household in Potiphar in Egypt. I got into the captain of the guard. That is second to the palace. <laughs> right? So he's, he's looking at it. I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have. But God, but God, but God, but God, the God of my father, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is working in my life. I will not forget his benefits. Like we talk about, we call, call it the, the, the silver lining behind every dark cloud. Right? You can always see it. Forget not. Third thing. Okay. Uh, come further down. Yeah, we, we are, we are in, by the way, we are in uh, Psalm 78. Okay, let me give you the words. Yes, that's interesting words, okay. How do we go into fault number three? How do we limit God? They tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Other versions will use the food they craved for, they lusted for. How do we test God in our hearts? Okay. How do we test God? We ask for fanciful things from God. Fancy means we haven't grown in our faith. We haven't learned how to distinguish between what we really need and what we want. What we want is what the flesh craves for. The problem with the flesh is, the flesh is actually empowered by hell itself. The nature of hell is described in Isaiah 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the nature of hell. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Why? Because all those who are empowered by lust is coming there. So, it was, it had, it was made for a certain number. But it's, that's one area in the universe which is constantly expanding because uncountable numbers are coming in. Beyond measure. Their glory, their multitude, their pomp, he was jubilant, shall descend here. He was having a great time and then he descends over there. People shall be brought down. Each man shall be humble. The high eyes of the lofty shall be humble. So what is the nature of hell? It is forever enlarging itself, meaning it is never satisfied. Devil will never say, oh, okay, okay, please, Lord, please, Lord, five billion have come in. That's enough, Lord. I can't handle anymore. No, he says, Lord, I'm not satisfied. If I can get every man that is born in, I still will not be satisfied. That is the nature of lust. Lust. The nature of lust is that with lust, okay, lust. I was talking last week to somebody and I was, I was telling them, this is, the principle about pleasure. The principle about pleasure. There's a danger about pleasure. Okay? Moses had to turn his back to the pleasures of sin. Okay? The pleasures of Egypt. The pleasures 
of sin and the treasures of Egypt. The pleasure. The problem with pleasure is that, you know, there is pleasure attached with everything. That should be a byproduct. Should be a byproduct. That should not be the intention. Otherwise, you will be guided by pleasure. There are books sitting over here. If you are pleasure driven, you will look there, 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 look there. I got one non-fiction. Western. Are you reading? Of course you are reading. Reading is a very good habit. What are you reading for? Pleasure. Okay? What are you reading for? Exercise is a very good. Okay? You are playing football. How many hours since you started? Three hours. What are you playing for? Pleasure. Okay? What are you eating for? Pleasure. Okay? Pleasure should be a byproduct. It should not be there in the front. And you need to realize that this is how the devil takes any good activity and makes it evil. Ultimately, we become a set of people who are pleasure-driven. And this whole world is pleasure-driven. What will satisfy my eyes and what will satisfy my belly? So what did they ask? They asked for things that was fanciful. Fancy. Here is God giving the manna from heaven. The best food you can have. Nobody is ill. Nobody is weak. And you can cook it whichever way you want. He doesn't put any restriction in the cooking. Fry it, boil it, uh, eat it dry, up to you. He says, that is your, okay? That is given to you. That's a new thing that has come called air, uh, air fry, air fryers. They're supposed to be incredible because it is not microwave, it is hot air that comes in. So you just need to put a little bit of oil and you can save. So you can have your tandoori chicken without oil. Okay, okay. By asking for food of there, see, you know, this is our problem. They tested their God. You know, how do we limit the Holy One of God? We limit the Holy One of God by asking for fanciful things. Okay. And we empower the flesh. In Romans 8 and verse 13, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, 8.13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Why did Israel die in the desert after they were delivered out of Egypt? They lived according to the flesh. <laughs> God destroyed them, Bible says. But the fact is that they died on their own. <laughs> Life and death is in God's hands, so everybody who dies, you will have to say God destroyed them. If God speaks over Peter and says you will never die, you will never die. You will never die. There is nothing anybody can do about it. Okay? So when the Bible says God destroyed them, it's a truth. They destroyed themselves, it's also true. Why did they all die? Because they lived by the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, the flesh has, you will look. You will look. Okay? So Galatians 5.16 
uses the same imagery in another letter to the church in Galatia. 5.16 I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, So you have to look at our children of Israel. They are asking fanciful things from God. It's a fanciful thing. And because of those things, you know, all these things, if God adds to your life, it is good. Sometimes he adds it to your life to see whether you have self-control. So be very careful. You don't understand the ways of God. He may set a table before you to see how you eat. And you will say, God provided. God said, I did to test you. To test you. You know, test you. Because add to faith what? Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control. Self-control. You cannot sit there until it comes out of your nose by saying God provided for it. Right? He provided for them. Quail. And asked to us in their mouth, they died. What did they ask for? Something fanciful. And God gave them something fanciful. And it a lot of men have died because they asked for fanciful wives and not virtuous ones. And so many women died because they asked for fanciful men and not virtuous men. They asked for fanciful things. No? That's why all around the city you see fancy stores. And if you are built on fancy, you won't reach fantasy land. You will reach somewhere else. You know? So there is a young man, 17 year old young Hebrew, in Egypt, in Potiphar's palace. So you have to immediately understand, if the Lord is with him, that means the Holy Spirit is with him. That is what it means, the Lord is with him. The Spirit of God is with him. He is through the Spirit putting to death the works of the flesh. Because wherever you turn in, around in Egypt... All you see is a works of flesh. Egypt was no different than our ancient Indians. What you see on Ellora, Ajanta Caves and all you see all the carvings from ancient speak. They were immersed in eating, drinking and sex. All kinds of sex, including homosexuality, gay. All Gentile nations were like that. Once the restraint is taken over, you go that route. The only thing that keeps us sane is God's hand. And when nations went away from him, he took his hand off and automatically they went in the ways of the flesh. So here is a young man. Here is a young man in one of the most carnal civilizations in the world walking in the spirit. Why? How do you know? Because the Lord is with him. He's putting to death the works of the flesh. Meaning, he's not after any fanciful things. He did not ask or partake of anything that met his fancy. Okay? So we have to be very, very careful of it. We do not realize that one thing that made Joseph different was that one statement. The Lord was with him. And we don't realize that is our greatest need. In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13, this is how Jesus put it across. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Maybe in China they will. Okay, but not in India. Okay. 
Oh, I love the Chinese, okay? I don't like communist regime there, but I love the Chinese. Everywhere the dispensations I don't like, but people are ignorant. Okay? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who? So the question God asked us is, did you ask for my spirit this morning? You ask for everything else. But do you really know what you really actually only need? My spirit. Yes, it's there within you. But did you make him welcome? Did you say, Lord, I need more of you today? Another month has begun. I want to go through this month with you. Like it is written about Joseph, I want that experience, Lord. <laughs> and that is the key. And he said, you need to ask. You need to ask. Constantly being filled by the Holy Spirit. Like, it is like this. Right? It is getting emptied. You have to be refilled. You have to be refilled. I'm not saying, I'm, ex- I'm not exhausting the Holy Spirit. You can never exhaust the Holy Spirit. But I'm emptying myself. And we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And every day, let me tell you, every day, our greatest need is not bread or water. Or even the air we breathe. Our greatest need is the Spirit of God. If today, sometime during the day or night, we die, we don't need bread, we don't need water, we don't need air. The only thing that matters is whether the Spirit of God is in us or not. Otherwise we end at the wrong place. And God is saying the greatest need of every man is my Spirit. That is the seal that you are headed to another direction the right place and not the wrong place. If I do not have the Spirit of God, look at what Paul says in Romans 8. Okay? Yeah? Yeah. Now this one one statement over there, very powerful. Verse 9, yeah. Okay. If you are not in, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Though he walked in the body, Joseph was not in the flesh, in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. He's not his. Why should God take us to a place? A set of people who don't belong to him. What is the proof that we belong to him? It's not our dogma. It's not our doctrine. All is required. It's not our church. It's none of this. The proof that we belong to Christ is the spirit of God. And that's our greatest need. And what's written about Joseph is, the Lord is with him. So you will never see Joseph ever testing God, asking for anything fanciful. Okay? So we have the sin of disobedience, the sin of forgetfulness, and the sin of asking for things of the flesh. Things of the flesh. Okay? That's why God says, you don't worry. I will add those things into your life. You don't worry about these things at all. Okay? Don't put that in front. The problem is if you put these things in the front, you will never be satisfied. The flesh eyes open and you are never satisfied. It's not fanciful enough. It just, it's not like John Kate said, a thing of beauty is not joy forever. Joy for a few days. Yeah, our church looks good now, beautiful now, rich now. I mean, rich in, in the camera, it looks all that now. But how, how many days will we think about it? Yeah. This also looked good when it came. No, do we don't even look down. We don't even think about the carpet anymore. It's looking a little worn out also. Right? 
Now immediately one or we need to just change it. No, this is enough. <laughs> this is enough. There's no hurry. Till all come, everything. Okay, everything. Okay. I'm telling you, this is not a joke. Joke is joke, you know. Three or four of you got an iPhone, what was that? I haven't yet opened mine. There's no need. What am I going to do with it? This is working perfectly. My son sent it. No. That doesn't mean immediately let me change. For what? (laughs) Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Honestly, I'm keeping it to give it away to the one God tells me give it away. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Just working perfectly. I mean, Honestly, these, do these things really, really matter after a time? No? All this joy, you buy a new car, two days, three days, everybody's washing, polishing. After that, after that, you should see a week later, all the dust, no? new bike, and all these things. No? Vilas will shout at Vigas for, no, <laughs> two dents in his new bike. After six months later, even the mudguard falls off, he's not bothered. Okay? Because these things don't bring. I mean, God says, I give you these things. Don't put your heart on all this. Don't do this fancy. You should not catch your fancy. That's what happened to Solomon. After all, every new girl is catching his eye, his fancy, and is picking them, adding wives, adding wives, adding wives. Fancy. No, he built the temple and he built his house. He doesn't know what to do. So anything that he fancies, he's running after it. And look at the most miserable man in the world. Because your misery is proportional to what you have. Okay. Everybody, everybody, yeah, it's a mathematical equation. People all think the fellow in the hut is miserable. No! He's probably much more happier than the fellow in the palace. So there was this king who was very, very ill. Nothing could cure him. So they called this wise man, he came and he said, and he said, King, the only way you will be healed, because this is a sickness of the soul, you need to wear a shirt or a coat or a robe which belongs to a happy man. Happy man. The king soldiers are going around fighting. Nobody is happy. The king is ill. The king is ill. Are you happy? Are you always happy? Please, the king needs to be healed. Nobody. One set of soldiers are going through the forest, 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 and finally they hear a man is singing and singing and singing. They are rushing. Oh, finally somebody seems to be having as a woodcutter. He is singing and cutting wood. And they said, sir, are you happy? He said, I am happy. Are you always happy? Always happy. They said, oh, great, great, great. Sir, the king is very ill. The old wise man has said he needs a coat of a Happy man. Sir, can you give your coat? He said, I have no coat. <laughs> so that is the end of the story. I don't know whether the king recovered. Because the only happy man had no coat. <laughs> God did not say, do not go into the world and have not the things of the world. He did not say. He said, go into the world. But you are not of the world. He did not say, do not have the things of the world. He says, do not love the world or the things of this world. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. No? It will destroy you. So God says, be very careful about it. The sin of disobedience, the sin of forgetfulness, and the sin of asking for things 
or fancy. That's your flesh. And we know the Lord is with him consistently. So we don't know about Joseph's life, but we know one thing how he lived. Why? Because of that two statements, same statements, as a slave and as a prisoner, the Lord was with him. Okay? So, Daniel also makes that simple choice when he has to eat. Right? When he has to eat. No, he doesn't pick all these fanciful things. Now, it's a consistent thing which we have to battle against, you know. Two chickens were talking. And it was a baby chick talking to the mother by saying, uh, Mommy, why is it that... Uh, Oh, our master's name is this, mistress' name, all his children all have names. Why is that we don't have names? So the mother said, son, we come from a very old ancient family, so we are named only after we die. They are named when they are born. He said, yes, yes, after we are die, we are named chicken 65 and chicken <laughs> tandoori chicken and all that. You see, why do we give all these names? And once we get these names, then we hunger after these names. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat all these things. But some people's life is like Canara Bank, no? Growing to serve, serving to grow. Living to eat, eating to live. Eating to live. Hmm? Living to shop, shopping to live. Hmm? Right? Solomon should have been saying, living to have sex, having sex to live. Right? 300 porcupines and, sorry, wives. <laughs> wives and 600 concubines. Okay. They were all porcupines, okay? Okay. Fun ended, but okay. Do you see what happens? Are you understanding what these things does? What these things does? And hell has opened its mouth wide. Mouth wide. Keeps on enlarging. That's the nature of lust. Nature of lust is never satisfied. It is never. You see, when you have hunger without desire, hunger can be satisfied. Desire, which is part of lust, cannot be satisfied. Okay? Satisfied. Cannot be satisfied. Okay? Cannot be satisfied. That's the problem. That's the problem. It can never be satisfied. Okay? Whether it is movies, whether it is sports, whether it is anything, it cannot be satisfied. IBL will be over. After that, you'll be waiting for the next one. It will be one after one after one after one after one after another. So always be very, very careful about what they asked. And God is not a joy killer. Actually, it's a joy enhancer. It's a joy enhancer. Okay, He's not a joy killer. It's not that he withdraws, keeps all good in the scriptures. It's every perfect and good things comes from above. Shall we look at that? James chapter 1. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And what is the nature of it? It never destroys you. There is no variation or shadow of turning. With whom there is. When he gives you something good, when he gives you something perfect, you can be very sure it will not harm you. It will not destroy you. It will only cause gratitude and joy in your life which causes you to even cling to him even more. It's not that God doesn't give you. But whatever God gives you can be very, very sure. It is good and it is perfect. Perfect. Though you may receive it on earth, it comes from above. 
Okay? So please don't misunderstand. It's not a joy killer, it's a joy enhancer. Okay? And that fourth one. <coughs> Psalm 78, verses 20 and 21. Behold, he struck the rock, so the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. I mean, think about it. Around 2 million, 2.5 million people in the desert and their flocks and herds. Now, when we think about the rock being striking, we think about little water like a spout or something. It was not. It is a river that flowed. A river that could supply the needs of the people for years. Only twice he struck, meaning that particular two rivers took care of these people for 40 years. For 40 years. So it's not a small miracle. (laughs) It is not a small, it is an unbelievable miracle right before their eyes. The problem is, they were thirsty, there is no water, there is a rock, Moses strikes the rock, it splits open and water is gushing and flowing through the desert for miles and miles and miles and goes into the Red Sea. Okay? Or whichever sea. Okay, it is flowing into. They see it, the Gentile nations see it. So it is. But after some time, you forget how it started. And you take it for granted. Take it for granted. Okay? You explain it away. It becomes science. One of my first experiences in 1990 when we were as a team doing evangelism in Indra Park as a young boy with this young student, no, with a group of believers. And there were a set of Christians going around. No, Other Christians were sitting over there. So we went and uh, we were sharing. And uh, there was a man sharing about the feeding of the 5,000. So he was trying to explain, Christian, trying to explain it away. This is basically what. He was putting it across in a different, completely different way. He says, you see, when that young boy put that five loaves of bread into Jesus' hands, everybody suddenly realized they also had their dabba. So they all took it out and they sat down and they ate. You see, you want to deny the miraculous. Explain everything with signs. You see, after some time they would say, yeah, maybe the river was always there. You what? You negate the hand of God. What happens is you disbelieve. This is a sin of unbelief. And when you are facing the next problem, you have forgotten the first nine months. You are in the tenth month. Suddenly you realize, can God? Can He give bread also? Okay, water is a different thing. What about bread? I don't see any oven over here. Water, of course, flows naturally. What about bread? Okay, maybe he can give bread. What about meat? I don't see any animals here. Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. So, a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. What is What made God furious? It is the sin of unbelief. Unbelief. If you look at verse 19. Right? Okay? What does unbelief cause you? It causes you to speak against God. They spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Unbelief causes you to speak against God. And the Bible says, God 
was furious. You know, often we are guilty of the same sin. Though we are, uh, we think we are more better than the Israelites. In Matthew 13 and verse 58. Now he did not, he did not do many white, mighty works there because of their unbelief. You know how we limit God's hand in our lives? The mighty hand of the Holy One of God? Through our unbelief. More Christians will die of coronavirus because of unbelief than the virus itself. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about others. Have you heard from God? Have you have a dream? Do you have a word about your purpose? Have you held on to it? You're being tested. Will you die? I will not die. I will not die. I will live and declare the works of God. It's not over yet. I will not die before my time and I don't care what it is. You can give it any name. I will not die. I will take the safeguards. That's a different thing. But that is safeguards God also told them, right? He's the healer. You are eating the best food and drinking the best water. Then when you go out to relieve yourself, why should you make a hole and cover it? Because there is something which you will discover thousands of years later called bacteria, which will cause you to be ill. So God is not saying that, okay, Israel, you can go around and poop all around and walk among it. It does not matter. He doesn't say. He says, no. Hygiene. Hygiene is important. Hygiene is important. Okay? But that is a fact. We keep the facts. But life comes from above. And you should not die before your time. And scripture says he couldn't do in his own village. Hardly anything because of their unbelief. Mark chapter 4 and verse 40. He rebuked his disciples. Why? 4-0. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Hmm? Why are you so fearful? I am in the boat. Okay, there is a storm. You think, after all that you have seen, because Mark straight away begins with his ministry, right? So four chapters of Mark means uh, weeks of ministry is over. They have seen a lot of stuff. Where is your faith? They wake him up and said, Lord, you don't you care? We are down in... He said, he said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? A lot of people say, Lord, don't you care? He said, you look at the cross and still ask me, don't I care? Where is your... How is it that you have no faith? Jesus is asking, look at the question, how the way it is framed. How is it that you have no faith? Who are you walking with? How is there no transference taking place? That's what he's asking. Because there's something that is transferred when you walk with men and women of faith. Men and women who are anointed. You know? Men and this, this gentleman, no, he also died. He was talking about the first time he was a young man. So he was stuck during the world war in, he's American, he's stuck in Britain. And the British uh, Secret Service came and said, you need to leave because the world war is starting. The war is beginning. You are American. You need to go back. So his heart was that before I go back, I need to meet Smith Mickelsworth. So he went to his house and first he said, throw your newspaper. Then he came. 
And he said, all this man did was, sit down and sir, wake up, sir, I want, I just wanted to see you. Spend a little time with you, he said, sit over there. And he said, all he did was sit there and read the Bible loudly. He would read the Bible loudly. And read the Bible loudly. And then he said, you can leave. And he said, I left. And he was saying, what a strange experience. But he said, when I walked onto the streets, I realized I had changed. I realized he had transferred some part of his anointing on me just by reading scripture to me. It's a transference that takes place. So he says, how is that? You have no faith. You lived with me. You walked with me. You sleep in the same room. You've seen me. How come that you have no faith? The sin of unbelief. Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And Bible says he marveled because of their unbelief. God marvels when he sees our unbelief. Why is that you don't believe? No, that's why he say, walk in his ways, don't forget what he has done. He has never changed. The world can keep on changing. Science can keep on saying whatever they want. Right? Now they have 14 top nations in the world is starting a project in France. Right? They're hoping to make in the next 25, 10 years the first nuclear fission reactor. Fusion reactor. That's how the sun operates. It will be zero emission, no waste, nothing. And if they succeed, they can power the entire planet. Okay. I think Indian scientists are also, US, all of them are putting in together, Chinese, everything. I, I think you didn't read it, right? I'll send it to you. It's a very interesting article. Okay, very interesting. Okay, what we have, nuclear reactors is different. This nuclear waste, the other one is different. Plasma, that's how it op. I know plasma. I remember that much. Okay, it is fusion. Nuclear not the not the current kind, the kind like sun. That's how the sun operates. That kind of the man is already planning to be entirely self-existent, not dependent upon God, upon anything. Okay, okay. No. You see, we have more faith in science than in God. We have more faith in the arm of flesh than we have in God. And God is asking; He marvelled because of their. Unbelief. Matthew 17 verse 19 and 20. <coughs> now you, yeah. 17, 19 and 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. He will say, but I have spoken. It has not moved. But did you hear from God? This is not for the time for it to move. If you said it, then you have faith. Now sometimes you need to understand. You have to understand God's way and have to be very, very clear and hear from God. God doesn't do things before his time and you shouldn't force him to do things before his time. You don't want a premature baby in your life. You don't want it. It will be an Ishmael. 
Everything should happen in its time. God has his own time. You know? So when God has still speak to the mountain, he has spoken to the mountain, and you heard from Lord, I have spoken, he said, good, still go. Let me just go. So the question, this is the thing. The walls of Jericho in the eyes of Joshua has already fallen on the first day, though he saw it only on the seventh day. Because God has spoken. God has spoken. So when you're walking, when your reality, physical reality is the walls are there, when you're walking, you're walking in victory, not in doubt. What is the walk of faith? You're not walking in doubt. You're walking in victory. Why? Because God said one word, I have already given it to you. If he has given it to you, the walls will come down. We'll take this set. We'll take this set. So you're walking. You haven't seen it the first day. Are you discouraged? No. Second day, are you discouraged? No. Third day, no. Seventh day, you have to walk seven times. Are you discouraged? No. No. That is Elijah in Mount Carmel. Fire has come. People have turned. False prophets are destroyed. Go up on his knees. He says, I hear the sound of rain. The servant sees nothing. How many times? Eight times. Go again. He doesn't even look. I don't have to look. I have already heard the sound of rain in my spirit. It's coming. It's coming. Go look. I see nothing. Go look. Nothing. Go look. Nothing. Go look. Nothing. Eight times he says, I see. What is that? A cloud like a small fish. What did you see? Small fish. But what you see still doesn't agree with what I have heard. You go down until you have run before the storm takes over. What is coming is not a trickle. It's a storm like you have never seen. Run. So you are not speaking by what you see. You are speaking by what you have heard. That's faith. What did you hear, Joshua? It's given unto you. It's given. You know? That's what God is talking about. That is faith. That is faith. And you stand on. And that's what Joseph is standing on. God has given me two dreams. Not one. One can be doubted. Two cannot be doubted. And both dreams said, I will reign. I will reign. I am destined to reign. If I am destined to reign, then I am being tested. If I am being tested, I am being tested. Am I fit to reign? That's you. I am never questioning whether I am called to reign. I am only questioning, am I fit to reign? So I will prove to God through His Spirit, I am fit to reign. I just have to prove that. It's my character that is being tested here. It's not my destiny. Destiny is decided by God. But I have to prove my character. That I am not a man of flesh. I'm a man of the spirit. Unbelief. This is unbelief. No. Unbelief paralyzes us and it limits the hand of the holy God of Israel. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible. To believe, you need to hear. Okay, You cannot just believe. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. And what you have heard, do you believe? Do you believe? If you can. Believe. Okay, Joseph believed. And God was with him. God was with him. The Bible says, his pastor started noticing it. 
Master start. Not yesterday. Hey, whatever this, we have the Greek mythology, the Midas touch. Whatever the king touches becomes gold. That was his fanciful desire from a pagan god. Ultimately, his daughter also turned to gold. He couldn't eat anything because whatever he touches becomes gold. But he used that uh, imagery. What if he realizes whatever this young man touches prospers? Hey, I never got a... I thought this was just bargain price. This was a really good deal. This is the Hebrew goose that lays the golden egg. <laughs> this... Okay. He... What is the reason? The reason is only one. There is no unbelief in him. There is no unbelief in him. There is no unbelief in him. And God says, we have to fight this battle. In 78, Psalm 78, verse 32. Did we look at 30, 24, 78, 24? Can I have 24 first? He rained down manna on them to eat and given them the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. He did all this. Did they believe? Nah. You know, even a miracle, if our heart, eye is not on God, even God will become familiar. Because coming down every day. Oh, what is that? Pandemic is over. Why are they preaching through the week? Right? Yesterday I had letters from Australia, from the Middle East, and from the US. Three different countries saying, it keeps us going. The prayer and the preaching. Thanking us from the bottom of their heart. It just keeps us going through these terrible times. We take everything for granted. We get used to it. We should never get used to God. Verse 32. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. You know, sin is the result of unbelief. <laughs> in spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous. So what did he do? He therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Futility. The days are consumed in futility and years in not Joseph. Joseph's years are filled with purpose and years are filled in faith. He has faith and he has purpose. What do they have? Futility and fear. Who are these? The brothers. Even when they open their sack and it is full of silver, they are afraid. Other trans certain translations, verse 33 is translated as, can I have KJV? Yeah. Try KJV. I think it's vanity. Yeah. Their days he consumed in, verse 33. Yeah, verse 33. Therefore the days did he consume in vanity and their ears in trouble. We don't understand the judgment. Sometimes people don't even understand the judgment people are going through. You know what it means? 
they were pursuing things which would have bring no eternal rewards. Remember the man? He said, oh, I'm so successful. I need to break down these bonds and build big ones. God said, be full. People pursue their dreams on earth. They're incredibly successful without realizing it is just vanity. And on that day, it will mean absolutely nothing. And you do not even realize you're pursuing vanity. You are considered successful and prosperous in the world. And you are blinded. And you don't realize your life is worthless. It's a judgment that misses you. And you are in the middle of judgment. Think about the ten sons of uh, of Jacob. Is anything written about them? They're all married, they have children, and they have flocks and herds, and everything is going on. You know what? It was just vanity. It was just vanity. And the ears are filled with fear. And the fear doesn't go. Even in Egypt it doesn't go. After Jacob dies also they are afraid. They send messengers, please, please, for the sake of our father, don't kill us. He made a promise like this. Their life is filled with fear. Our life should be full of praise and joy instead of full of fear. If you're following the purpose of God, why should be there fear in your life? Should be there fear. Why is always this fear of loss? It should be their fear. Psalm 4, verse 2. O ye sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? You know what lease is? This is on lease. Our church space is on lease. It's not yours. It's lease. Why are you running after things which you will never own? I told you to store treasures in heaven. It will be yours. No moth gets it. No rust gets it. No thief gets in there. You can own it. Everything else on earth is leased. Why do you run after leasing? How long will you love vanity? And the problem is this. Go back to verse 33. 32, 33. Psalm 78, 32, 33. When we do not believe in his wondrous works and continue in the life of sin, what do you see that our lives are consumed in futility? Hmm? Consumed. Meaning, everybody has got only these many numbers of years. 70 years, 80 years, 90 years or whatever. And the best part of your life, you are so busy chasing this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and you think you have made it, you got all these certificates and you got all these prashamsa, accolades from everybody and everything. Ultimately you realize it was nothing. It was nothing. It was useless. God says it will be all gone. As you come through the fire, you realize, my gosh, I barely got in with my dress. Everything is gone. And the dress also is not mine. It is his righteousness. All my works are gone. He consumed in futility. 
They're giving us an imagery. Look at it. Okay, if you look at it, the most unuseful set of we can't say useless. Useless is a wrong word to use. Useless means you're incapacitated. Unuseful is you're you're good, but you cannot be used. Forty years, there's a set of people marching in the desert. They are fit as a fiddle. They are strong. They are mighty. The God of Israel is with them. There's none feeble among them. There is none ill among them. And they're used for nothing. You know why? They're not useless. They're unuseful. They cannot be used. And what did they do? What did he do? do? He consumed their days in futility. And in fear. Always they were afraid of their enemies. While on the other side from Rahab's testimony, their enemies were consumed with fear for them. Like I said, you have a US election going on. There's only one set of people they fear is a believing church. That's why they shut the churches down. Because if the pastors don't preach, the people will not think. If they don't think, we may they may vote for us and we may win. The enemy does not fear anybody. He fears the believing church. He doesn't believe. Fear anybody. He fears. People is different. On the spiritual on the battle is different. One saint on the knees brings terror into the camp of the enemy. That's what he told Gideon. After nothing else works with Gideon, he says, you know what, take your servant, go down to the enemy camp and listen to what they are saying. And they are talking about Gideon. One fellow is dreaming, other fellow is giving interpretation. And we thought gifts only worked in God's camp. <laughs> The enemy is also given the gift of interpretation. He said, ah, that is Gideon only. Gideon only. (laughs) Are we getting the picture? Don't let God consume our days in futility and years in fear. Look at all the works of God in Egypt and outside. Pharaoh is destroyed. Army is destroyed. Red Sea was split. They have brought them together. After all this work is wasted on the first generation. It's useful only for the second generation. But one generation, it's all waste. He consumed their days in futility. And the years in? Why? Because they did not believe in his wondrous works. Unbelief. The reason is ten sons of Joseph had no purpose in their lives. Don't think about the prophecies of Jacob over them. That is connected with Israel. But those ten sons lived without purpose. You know why? Because they didn't honor their father or obey him. Therefore God could not speak to them. One son obeyed his father, understood the ways of God, walked in it, And God spoke to him. Therefore, he had purpose. You will never have purpose unless he gives you purpose. Purpose comes from above. Unless he speaks to you, you will never have purpose. And you may run around with a purpose of your own and invest and do well and exceedingly and become a billionaire on Forbes 500 fortune list, everything. But you are consumed in futility. And if by some chance, by the skin of your teeth, you make it to heaven, you look back at your life and say, what a waste. I wish. We've met so many people in life who said, I wish. I had served Lord. I wish. I wish. I wish. Isn't that what Solomon tells in the book of Ecclesiastic? 
Right? With that we will close. No, chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. Telling young people, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Do now. Find your purpose now. When you are young. When did Joseph find his purpose? When he was young. When did Daniel find his purpose? When he was young. When did David find his purpose? When he was young. When did Saul of Tarsus find his purpose? When he was young. They all found their purpose young. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days comes. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in, no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when no one rises up at the sound of a bird and the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of treasures in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails and man goes to his eternal. What is he talking about? He says, because you did not know your creator, walk in his ways when you are young. Your old age is all in futility. You realize back and you say, see, you know what? My life was a waste. Nothing came out of it. Nothing came out of it. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden ball is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Or he was the man who went after vanity. And his life was consumed with futility. But he didn't begin that way young. Somewhere along the road he tripped. And then we got back probably at the end. But he looks back. His life is the most wasted life on earth. Because your life, waste also has to be connected with how much you are given. That's what the Bible says. Because of sin of unbelief. Unbelief. And that was Solomon's greatest sin. Right? He turned away from God's ways. Especially what was meant for kings. He turned, broke every one of it. And he went after. And he after called, chasing after wind. Imagine chasing wind. I don't think anybody has used language like the writers of the Bible did. Chasing wind. He cannot chase wind. Okay. It's a life of vanity. A life of waste. And that's what people have. Okay. That's what. And that's what God is talking about. As we close, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, the difference, the man of God, the man of flesh. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. In verse 17, The world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Forever. How do we know? 
thousands of years later, even today, we are hearing a sermon on one man, Joseph, and not about his ten brothers. One man. He's still living. He's still, that's why God says, even though Abel is dead, he still speaks. Dead other one also speaks. Other one is like, remember Lord's wife, meaning, never be like her. What is the lesson about Cain? Never be like her. What is the lesson about Abel? Be like him. Okay? And we don't want uh, the wrong dead man speaking to our life. We want Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham to speak into our life. Lord, make me a man of faith. Make me a man of faith. Make me a man of faith. Help me to walk by faith. Fight this good fight of faith. It's a battle. It's a battle. Let's look at that verse and finish it off. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 or 8. Wait, seven. I have fought the good fight. It's a battle. It's a battle. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. And therefore, kya hai? Umid hai. Kya hai? Dharmikta ke mukuri ke umid hai. I have absolutely sure. No doubt at all. I don't even have to wait for the judge. I don't know about other crowns. But one crown I know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are justified by faith. We are declared righteous by faith. I have run the right, the, run the race of faith and I have finished it. Therefore I know. One crown is sure for everybody who finishes this race. The crown of righteousness. Other crowns are different. This crown is something which you can know when you are living. The crown of righteousness. That is for everybody. And he says, that I know. That I know. Because this was a race of faith. Okay, so we learn from Joseph's life. We learn and say, Lord, all these things should not desert me. I am on the race. I am on the track. When I trip, Lord, help me. Get me back on the track. Get me back on the track, O Lord, that I finish my race. Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord, this morning. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Help us, O Lord, that we don't go the route, the sin of disobedience. The sin of forgetfulness, Lord. You don't want to forget what you did for us these nine months. You were good. Too good, Lord. We have to compare everything in the context. For so many people, 2020, they say was the worst year. When we put the pandemic and everything that was happened along with it, we would honestly acknowledge 2020 was the best year. We have never experienced the hand of God in our lives like we have experienced this year. Your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your healing, your health, your strength, and your abundant provision. This is the, this is the greatest year, Lord. Because everything has to be seen in context. Otherwise, we will never appreciate what you did for us this year. You have done for us more in these seven months. Looking into the context of the whole world. Than you did for us in all the years put together. We will not be ungrateful. So we will also speak to our soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Then with the gratitude, heart of gratitude, and with the lips 
of praise, sacrifice of praise. We can go through October knowing that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Thank you, Father. And I commit the whole church here, everywhere, all your dear children, young and old, into thy hands. And I pray they will lift up their heads, they will look up, there will be no one who stooped with discouragement or depression. They will look up. They will have a song on their lips, a spring in their walk. Even if they are bedridden in their spiritual feet, they will have a spring, knowing God is with them, God is for them. And if God is with me, all I can do in the kingdom of God is prosper. I cannot. I cannot be anything otherwise. In the kingdom of God, God's people always prosper. Whether you are in your father's house, or in Potiphar's house, or in prison, the Lord is with you. We are called to prosper. And we will prosper. We are the head there, and not the tail. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. Because that exceedingly great power that works in us is of you. Therefore, you be- deserve the glory, the honor, the power and praise. We give it to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen.